Five games this week featuring Pac-12 teams. The biggest storylines from the biggest games, including USC, Utah. A couple more thoughts there. And Oregon State, Washington State. What a football game that might be. And a critically important one for both sides. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. If you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Big thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. This episode of Locked On Pack 12 is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially... When it comes to college football coverage with a massive lineup of games across the ACC, Big Ten, yes, the Pac-12 and SEC, I can always catch the games I want on Sling, and now you can too. Check out Sling TV to see the massive lineup of games they have all season long. The TV you love for a price you'll love. Go try Sling TV today. So USC-Utah is the big game, and I think the biggest storyline for each team is, is pretty significant. But I think the Utes, have a little bit more reason to be juiced for this game. Not that USC won't be, because the biggest question, the biggest big picture element of this game for USC is are they going to get their first major win? They've had nice victories to this point. Fresno State's having a tough year, but I thought that was a solid win. Arizona State, uh, not USC's best game perhaps, but Oregon State on the road when Chance Nolan was there, I thought that was a good win. And Washington State. That's a solid win because we here in the Pac-12 know that those are solid teams. And if you take them lightly or you don't play your best football, either one can upset you. They're both kind of like Purdue in the Big Ten. They might not win the conference, but they could beat anybody in the conference. They could also lose to anybody in the conference, and they have quite a game I'll get to here in a moment. But USC nationally right now, I've seen a lot of major talking heads in the college football realm discuss how USC is 6-0, and but they don't really have that big win yet, right? I think people are still kind of waiting to see if they're quote-unquote legit. And this win against Utah, even though the Utes have two losses, you can't argue that it would be their biggest win of the season, especially in Rice-Eccles Stadium. That is a really difficult place to play. I believe since about 2017, Utah under Kyle Whittingham, they're like 23-2 and at home. Since 2017, they also have the highest winning percentage overall in the Pac-12. They've been an excellent team. I still believe they are a good team. I still like Utah to win against USC. But if the Trojans get that win, I think that will legitimize them in the eyes of those who look at their schedule and say, ah, you don't have any great wins on there. What is it, Washington, Oregon? Say, ah, that's nothing. Now, I think both of those are solid teams. They're solid wins. USC has earned their top 10 ranking right now because they have a great coach. They have a really good offensive roster. Their defense is playing much better. They've won all of their games. And for the most part, they've looked the way they should. Now, the exception is Oregon State. And that game is giving me reservations about this game in Salt Lake City because if that's how you performed on the road against Oregon State, what are you going to do against Utah? One of the toughest places to play on the road 
in the entire conference. But if USC proves me wrong and wins this game, that is the most signature win that they have had so far. I don't think that that happens. I think it's going to be Utah to keep their season alive because of the urgency that they'll be playing with as a two-loss team that they feel, and they're correct, should not be a two-loss team is something that you can't overlook, especially playing at home. So I like the Utes there, but I think that is the biggest question. And then for Utah, it's can you keep your Pac-12 championship hopes alive, right? That's why I think the urgency is higher in this game for Utah than for USC. Because the Trojans, if they lose this game, could still get to the college football playoff, frankly. You can be a one-loss champion and get in. They could still win the Pac-12 or get to the Rose Bowl if they drop another game this year. Their season is not done in terms of what their goals are. But if Utah loses this game, you're now a two-loss team with a head-to-head loss against USC and UCLA. Even if Utah beats Oregon this year, which I think they will in Autzen Stadium. Another tough thing to do, but I think the Utes can still get that done. Though I might feel differently if they lose this game because then the vibe around Utah completely changes. I mean, completely changes. And the mood inside that locker room changes. Because now you're four and three. You're like, wait, we're one game away from being under 500 this year? That doesn't feel right. Not with all the expectations that Utah had. But they can keep their championship hopes alive. They They can't get into the playoff this year. That's the way it works. But Utah can still win a conference championship and get to a Rose Bowl. Go ask any Utes fan if they would take a Rose Bowl championship here in in 2022. I have a feeling that much like last year, they would love to get back to the granddaddy of them all and win down in Pasadena. I want to get to this other game now because the three games, and I'll be talking with Danny Cannell of CBS Sports for the Pac-12 Prime Picks about the double-digit spreads. I like the favorites this week. But Oregon State, Washington State, there's a great question to look at in this game when you're talking about the ramifications for who comes out on top. And that is who has arrived more, Washington State, Oregon State. If you go back and you've been listening to me for a while here on Locked On Pac-12, first of all, greatly appreciate you. But secondly, I was talking before the season about the intrinsic ties between Oregon State and Washington State. Both are kind of geographically isolated. They have similar program traditions. Both can be good teams this year, and both were good teams last year, right? They were in that spot in the Pac-12 North, jarring to get ahead of Oregon, and had either beaten the Ducks, they might have been the Pac-12 North champions. I don't remember exactly every scenario, but they were right there. And coming into this year, I felt good about both teams, and so far, I've I've been mostly pleased with what I've seen from both teams. I feel a little better about Washington State going into this game because we still don't really know if Chance Nolan's going to play. And that's a question mark. And even if he's there, is he 100%? And is he able to shake off his last game and a half when he threw four interceptions against, uh, against USC and then two or three more, I think two more against Utah on the road? Can he get back to what he was earlier in the year when he was executing the offense efficiently, hitting deep shots down the field. Oregon State was running the ball. They were balanced the way Jonathan Smith and offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren want them to be. Is that the Oregon State team that shows up because they're in Corvallis where they have been really good? Their only loss over the last season and a half now at Reeser Stadium, full capacity or not, was to USC, and they should have won that game. 
at the very least, they could have won that game. But Chance Nolan wasn't able to take care of the ball that USC defense does what they've been doing all season long. They force a lot of turnovers. And that is the biggest question, I think, going into this game for the Beavs specifically. You're going up against a defense in Washington State that has made a living this season on havoc plays, forcing turnovers. They're fast. They're ferocious. They play really hard on that side of the ball. That's what Jake Dickard wants to do. That's what he's instilling up there at Washington State, and I give him props for the job he's doing so far. But the difference between being 5-2 and two versus 4-3, and three, not just in the context of the season, but also in the context of how it feels inside the locker room, for either team, radically different. Radically different. couple more thoughts on this game, but this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It's a really easy to play format. You go, you sign up, and then you can pick player over under props. You could take Cam Rising over pass yards. You could take Travis Dye under rushing yards. Whoever you want to get to, whoever your favorite team is, you can pick everybody across the Pac-12. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team. Again, doesn't have to just be your team. Decide if they will finish higher or lower. It's one of the easiest fantasy to play games out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, you get $100 free. It's that simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On to get in on the college football pick'em action today. So Oregon State, I, I just, at home, if everything was was normal with the quarterback situation, though Goldbranson was was fine last week against Stanford. That's a much more porous defense, though, than Washington State is going to present this week. But he was 20-28, 250 yards, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions. And that's the thing I'm looking for in this game. Turnovers can be important in any game, but... I think in this one, because of the way Washington State's defense thrives and drives this team, the energy that they get in particular when they force a turnover, I think if Oregon State has two or fewer turnovers, they win the game. But the potential, based on what they've shown against teams like USC and Utah, for them to have three or more turnovers is very, very real. Now, you might say, well, you think they could have two turnovers and win? I do, because Washington State's offense this year has not been what you think. Would it surprise you to know that at this point in the season with Cam Ward, who the Cougars clearly viewed as an upgraded quarterback over Jaden Delora, he's been inconsistent, but would it surprise you to know that the Cougars offense is eighth in the Pac-12 in points per game and ninth in yards per game? They don't run the football very well. They're relying on Cam Ward. And what's the strength of this Oregon State defense? They're secondary. Now, the quarterback still gives me pause. It's why this game is not going to be in the Pac-12 prime picks because it's really, really hard to predict what's going to come out from Oregon State's side. If I get the best of Oregon State and the best of Washington State, give me the beeves at home. But what version of Oregon State am I getting? The one that pushed USC to the brink of their first loss with Lincoln Riley a few weeks ago? Or is it the team that was a turnover machine at Utah and had to escape with a late miraculous touchdown against Stanford, who's pretty woeful this year, might go 1-11? I don't know which of those teams is going to show up for Oregon State. 
if you give me the best of both teams, I'll take the Beefs. I'll take them at home. But if that doesn't happen and you get a, a three or more turnover game from Oregon State, which they've had a couple of this year, two of the last three weeks, they've had three or more turnovers. You can't have that because that's what Washington State feasts on. And if you just protect the ball, you don't even have to score on every drive. You just have to pin Washington State deep, and they have not moved the ball consistently. Rely on your defense at home, and I think that can be a formula for Oregon State to get the win. What they get from the quarterback position, that's another question. What's not a question is that it's always fun to talk with Danny Cannell of CBS Sports. Let's get to this week's Pac-12 Prime Picks. And I'm thrilled to be joined now on the show by Danny Cannell, CBS college football analyst for our weekly edition of the Pac-12 Prime Picks, the best bets of the week. It was a slow start, then a hot run, and I've cooled off a little bit trying to get back into it. But Danny, I'm glad to see you here back on the show because your first appearance was the only undefeated week for my Pac-12 Prime Picks here, of course, brought to you by Bet Online, where you can bet all of these games, odds here provided by Bet Online. So I'm hoping you can bring that mojo back to this week's picks. That's what I'm hoping, too. If I can be the good luck charm, I'll take it. I think we disagreed on one or two of our picks, so maybe maybe that's what it was. You just need those competitive juices to get flowing, and maybe you can get that undefeated streak again this week. But I'm fired yeah. up to be back. Yeah, it was. Uh, we agreed on two that were correct, and then our disagreement, I, I had the edge on you just the one time. I don't know if that would have happened again had you been on last week, but it was uh, UNLV covering the 13 at at Cal. So hopefully mm. let's uh, let's get back to those winning ways. And let's start with the biggest game of the weekend in the Pac-12. We've all had it circled on our calendars for months. It's mildly disappointing, but not entirely for me, at least, that Utah's got two losses. It's still a really big game. And here come the Utes, three and a half point favorites, according to Bet Online at home. Danny, I like them to win outright, and I think they can cover that three and a half in Salt Lake City. Spencer... I think you're a genius because I am on the same page as you. If you would have asked me before the season, you know, where do you think USC will be as far as win total? I think I had them around between I think it was eight and a half. I would have said over, but not by much like nine and three. I didn't think they would be 11 and one. I didn't think they'd be 10 and two. I think probably nine and three or eight and four. Then of course, the way it started, you're like, all right, I'm leaning towards nine. But if you went through the first six games, I would have said, and I'm sure you, you could comment on this too. They had a good chance of going six and zero. You know, like I, the 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 way the schedule set up, they got more of the meaty part of the Pac-12 on the back end. Now they've had some nice wins, and one of the reasons I've been pleasantly surprised is the defense has played better when they've had to, when the offense has mm -hmm. sputtered. But now's when you find out who the real USC is, and I think you're playing against a team that is a great environment at Rice Eccles. You're playing at altitude. They're playing with a little more desperation. They're playing with something to prove. And I think the UCLA game was more about UCLA being a really good team than it was about Utah having a down year or something like that. And I think Utah's physicality could present some problems for USC. I mean, even against UCLA, they still ran for 192 yards and averaged four and a half yards per carry against the defense, which I think is more stout than USC's. I think Utah is really going to try to establish the line of scrimmage, and I think they'll have some success with it. And, you know, the, the, the USC offense, it's been good, but I don't think it's been great by any means. Like, I'm not ready to go say, hey, this is up there with the tier of Ohio State, which is where their expectations, where USC wants to be. 
I don't think they're there yet. Jordan Addison dinged up a little bit. Question marks about where he is health-wise. So I'm with you. I like the Utes playing at home as well. So through the first six games coming into the year, I went through every team's schedule in the Pac-12, and I had the Trojans at 5-1 and one at this point because I thought they would lose on the road at Oregon State, and the Beavs were, were right there. They very nearly had them, but that game is perhaps the biggest reason that USC is giving me pause about looking going, oh, th- over a field goal, right? You Even if Utah wins, I think USC could cover. I look at that game and go, th- they haven't shown up on the road offensively the way they have at home and last week they played a very good defense in Washington State that if if anyone has watched the Cougars this year you know that team is fast they are physical and they are well coached so I wasn't surprised to see their offense kind of struggle to get it going or not have that explosion game and only put up 30 points for for the Trojans and uh with with Lincoln Riley at the helm but now you're going against a Utah team that you touched on it Danny they are more motivated in this game than USC and they are at home. I think both of those things work in favor of the Utes. Not that USC doesn't want to win and stay undefeated. And, you know, they, they still have, I think, something to prove because their wins so far have been solid, but they don't have that marquee win, right? It's their first chance to do that. But to me, Utah is going to be playing with a higher level of intensity from from the jump because they've got two losses. If they want to win the Pac-12 championship, get back to the Rose Bowl and and perhaps ultimately win the granddaddy of them all. They have to have this game. They have to have every game from here on out. And they're also a really, really good team at home. How do you feel that home field advantage factors into this line? It's huge. Both parts. One, Rice Eccles is loud. Utah's got a great fan base. But I think almost more importantly, I played for the Denver Broncos at altitude when I was uh, in the NFL it's one of the bigger home field advantages. You know, the other team comes in, they're a little bit short of breath. They don't have as much oxygen getting to their muscles. You know, it does have an impact on them. So I absolutely think that home field plays a massive part. And if you haven't been to Rice Eccles, it's definitely a bucket list item. It's beautiful. Oh, it's it is a gorgeous day. That and Provo, uh, you know, at BYU, two of the best, like, picturesque backdrops. But who cares about the picturesque scene? You want loud, ruckus crowd. And that's what Utah is going to bring. And I could hear a USC fan right now being like, what are you guys talking about? Like, USC doesn't have the urgency. There, uh, Every coach I've talked to, like, gets really nervous when their teams start having a lot of success and everybody's talking about how good they are and they're undefeated and you start talking about the playoffs and you start, you know, just put looking ahead and you just start chalking in wins. Every coach despises that. You know what every coach loves? when kind of people are doubting you and they're saying, ah, oh, this isn't your year. And you know, you're, you're not playing as good and you're coming off a rough loss because they know they'll have the player's attention. And it's not on game day. Both teams are going to want to win on game day, but it's when you come in to start watching the film, to start preparation, to start practicing. There's a little bit of an edge with a team like Utah that has thrived in this role, to be honest. And even though they're the favorite in this game, I guarantee you, they feel like the underdog, which is a place Kyle Whittingham has really thrived there at Utah. So I'm with you on this one. I think they get it. I think they lay, uh, you lay the three and a half all day. I think this will be a big win. And I don't think it's a devastating loss for USC by any means. They'll still be very much you know, in control, could still contend for that Pac-12 championship. So I think it's going to be a physical, low-scoring game. I would lean towards the under as well on this one. I think, it'll, I think Utah will control the line of scrimmage, and I think they'll slow down that prolific USC offense. Yeah, I think that's the formula, and Oregon State kind of showed that. But the difference that... Utah, I think, is going to be able to do 
is not turn the ball over four times the way Chance Nolan did. Cam Rising may throw one interception. He did last week. He also fumbled. Very uncharacteristic for him to have multiple turnovers. I think that's another guy who's going to want to come out and, and have his absolute best game of the season in the biggest game of the year to this point for for Utah because if they lose this Pac-12 championship probably out the door and then the Utes have a very different vibe uh, around that program but we agree that uh, that they get it done a team I thought would bounce back last week and I actually went back and forth on this all week I've talked about Washington how I liked them coming back home and Arizona's defense Cannot stop a high school team at the moment. It seemed like Oregon went in and put up 49 and they they just that side of the ball is still growing in this rebuild under Jed Fish, which does appear to be well underway because they've got some really nice offensive pieces with Delora Cowing, Singer and and T-Mac. That's a great, great quad of guys. I look at this game and I think Washington, kind of similar to Utah, has two losses. They feel like they should only have one. Because they went down and Michael Penix threw the ball off of the helmet of his own lineman and it was returned the other way for six or else Washington maybe escapes and the vibe I think is different around the Huskies from from the outside at least. They're giving up two touchdowns here. I I wish it was 13 and a half instead of 14, but I, I don't have to give up the extra half point, I guess. So you bring in maybe the possibility of a hook. I think Arizona can score points. On this Washington secondary that is dealing with some injuries has been exploitable the last couple of weeks. However, I still have more faith in that defense, particularly because this game is in Seattle than I do Arizona's, who I've seen at home and on the road not be able to stop anybody this year. I think th- I think this is a big bounce back spot. I was I, I had that last week. I thought they'd win and cover at Arizona State, but now they're coming coming back home. I'm doubling down on the Huskies here giving up two touchdowns. I'm with you. Uh, I'm on the same side of you of this one. I think this is absolutely coming back home. One of those desperate spots for Kalen DeBoer has done a great job with Michael Penix. It's been a great story of those two coming back together after their time at Indiana when uh, DeBoer was the offensive coordinator and not to discredit Arizona. I think Jed Fish is doing a phenomenal job of building yes. something, you know, like he's, they're laying a foundation after what was a really atrocious year last year. You've seen an instant turnaround from this Arizona team. And Jaden Delore has been good when he's on, a little bit erratic, but he is when he faces as much pressure as I do think he's going to face. Playing on the road, crowd noise becomes an issue. Washington's defensive front, I do think, will harass him. I'm I'm with you on this one. I think it's a big bounce back from Michael Penix, who I think will throw over for 300 yards. I think he'll kind of get back to his his you know offensive ways where they'll they'll get back to it and i also think they'll be able to run the football i think they'll be able to run on arizona's defense that hook terrifies me too it just is one of those ones but you just kind of have to suck it up and say all right washington it's your opportunity to shine you know and you even you even want to have one of those all right we don't want to let this thing you know our foot off the gas we've lost two in a row we want to come back give our fans something to get excited about let our players get some confidence back so I think you could even see it, you know, if there was an, ever a doubt about slowing up, taking off the gas, going to a four-minute offense, I don't think Washington does that. I think they'll try to play a full 60 minutes, take it to Arizona, and I think they win and cover as well. The way that, that I look at this game is Arizona went on the road against Cal, Danny, and lost by 18 by by the time the game was done. So I'm looking at Washington and saying, well, Who's a better team overall, Washington or Cal? Yeah, I I like Washington at this point. 
Cal's defense may be a little more consistent, but hasn't been as great statistically as they normally are with Justin Wilcox there. But the home field advantage, night and day, Seattle up here, Berkeley down here, right? That's in that's in kind of the Rose Bowl category for, for UCLA in terms of how good they are at home. And Arizona couldn't get any stops there. I mean, if you can't stop Cal on the road, I don't know how you stop Washington on the road because the secondary has given up some big plays this year for Arizona. They've been really exploitable on the ground. Washington's been an air-heavy team, but if you allow them to have balance, you you introduce that to their offense, which has been kind of hit and miss this year. I, I could really see Washington going for a similar number in that 49 to, to 50 range. And though I think the Arizona offense can score, I don't think they're going to go over 30. I think they'll probably be in the mid to high 20s. Right. And Michael Penix coming off his worst game as a starter. I think you'll see Washington come out, try to establish the line of scrimmage, get that ground game going. And then kind of when you have a little bit of a lead, then you let Michael Penix get his confidence back, start taking some shots to the end zone, start working that pass game as well. So I'm with you in total agreement on this one. And I'll tell you this, uh, the sailgating scene is awesome there in Seattle. Oh, so it's good. one of the louder uh, stadiums in the country, not just the Pac-12, in the country. The way the sound you know resonates and reverbs off the stands, it is one of the best atmospheres out there. And I think they'll be hungry and locked in on this one. Yeah, <clears throat> and excuse me. And if they if they get upset in this game, then it's Oof. concern time, right? Arizona Absolutely. State on the road. Like, okay, that, that sort of stuff happens. First-year head coach, not time to panic. But if you lose this one at home, that that would be worry time for Washington. But you and I in agreement, that's uh, probably not going to happen. Uh, last one that I've gotten the prime picks this week. Again, if it were just a half point lower, I might feel better. But Stanford going to Notre Dame, who's suddenly starting to play some better football. They just knocked off BYU in Las Vegas. Stanford, to me, is a little bit like Colorado right now. I'm going to fade them every chance I get because I just don't see anything that makes me feel encouraged. And especially, Danny, they're going on the road after gifting, gifting away a game to Oregon State, who, to their credit, went out and took the opportunity when it was presented to them. But Stanford's been bad. It looked like they had their first win of the season. And then all of a sudden, they didn't. I worry about what the vibe is in that locker room. Questions should continue to swirl about David Shaw as the head coach. Like nothing working for Stanford here, whereas Notre Dame suddenly is over 500, could get to an eight or nine win season for their first year head coach, who they all seem to love. They're at home. 17, it's it's a lot of points. And in Stanford's two road games this year against Washington and Oregon, who I think have better offenses than Notre Dame, they've lost by just an average of 18 points a game. But I think emotionally, Stanford's in a place where they could go out and really only score 10 points. I hate all the agreement, but I am <laughs> with you on this one. And you know what else I, I kind of worry about? Because David Shaw is one of my favorite coaches in Great the sport. Guy. And I think he's one of the better sport uh, coaches in the sport. But if you look back since 2019, 4-8, and 4-2 and in the COVID season, but then 3-9 and nine last year, starting off 1-4 and four with not a win against a, you know an FBS opponent, you know, and it felt like, man, maybe they were going to all of a sudden, because I do think you get great effort from David Shaw's squad, and you see a team that still fights, and they had that game. You're right, and they totally, you know, found a way to lose that game, except for a miraculous final play. It's 
It's tough. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a change of scenery. Like, if you just need some fret, like Duke did that this year. They had David Cutcliffe, another guy that I like to trim this amount. It's a similar type program that has academic, you know, um, I don't know, restrictions. Like, it's harder to recruit at a Duke and it's harder to recruit at a Stanford. They made a change almost for change sake, just kind of freshen things up. I don't know if Stanford should do that because again, like you're, you're parting with a really good coach, but I do wonder if it's, it's getting to be time where there's going to be some really tough questions that'll have to be asked. And if David Shaw gets a start somewhere else, he might go somewhere else and totally crush it. But I do look at the Stanford team and I think the talent gap is probably the thing that's most concerning. And I think it's going to be on display in this game. I mean, EJ Smith, when he went down, it was like, Oh, that was the one bright spot. And historically, if you look at when Stanford has played well, They've had workhorse ba- uh, backs, you know, like they've had somebody, whether going back to Toby Gerhardt, Christian McCaffrey, um, they've always had kind of that guy and they just haven't been able to find it. Um, so I'm with you on this one. And then you are right about Notre Dame. This to me is about Notre Dame. They lost their quarterback, Ty Buckner, after a few games. They started 0-2. They lose to Marshall. Everybody's like, oh, Marcus Freeman's a disaster. What's going to happen at Notre Dame? Then all of a sudden, Drew Pine comes in. He starts to develop a rapport, and you start remembering, oh, this Notre Dame team is pretty talented. They have a pretty talented roster. You're seeing some guys start to pop, and they had a really nice win in Las Vegas against BYU, who is a really good football team. I think you're seeing one team who had their kind of last-ditch, desperate effort to possibly get that win against Oregon State, deflating loss the way it happened. Then they got to go on the road and play a team that is coming back, playing with a ton of confidence, who also, by the way, you know, because of those first two losses, Stanford kind of needs some style points. They need some, some, all right, like let's start giving us some attention for recruits, for national conversation. And I think Notre Dame unfortunately gets it here against Stanford. So I'm with you on the fighting Irish as well. I think this is going to be a long, tough uphill day for the Stanford Cardinal. Yeah, and their defense, too, has really struggled this year to stop the run, which is so uncharacteristic for Stanford. But that's been a theme the last couple of years, really, is they have been a porous run defense. And Notre Dame has not been particularly explosive through the air. But what do they want to do? What do defensive coaches typically want to do? Run the football. And you can do that on this this Stanford group. So agreement across the board, Notre Dame minus 17, Washington minus 14, and Utah minus three and a half. Last thing, Danny, I want your thoughts on a game that from a betting perspective, I, I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole, and that's Washington State at Oregon State, which should be a great football game. It's in Corvallis. Beavs are coming back home. They're at 4-2, and two, which is a solid place for them to be at this point. They've escaped against Fresno State and Stanford with, with wins. That makes me less confident in them, but at home, they play their best football Washington State's defense, though, is really good. And whether or not you have Chance Nolan, I I question whether the Bees could take care of the ball. I I feel like it could be an Oregon State win, Washington cover sort of situation. I went back and forth, but I just couldn't come come down confidently on a side to put it in the prime picks. I'm with you. This game, to me, feels like a toss-up. Both teams have kind of had their moments at various times this season. Love the direction, you know, both programs. I'd say Chance Nolan, is it is it possible to trust him? I don't know, because because of some of the up and down hiccups that he's had. I, I'd lean toward Washington State in this one. I do think this will be a field goal type game. So if you're getting three and a half, I'd say go ahead and take Washington State there in this one. I think it'll be a physical test that comes down to the wire. I'm going to go ahead and take Washington State in this one in those points. 
I think that's where I would go. I'm just like, in Corvallis, the Beavs right. are a really good team at home. Remember, they should have beaten USC there. They didn't lose at home last year. They beat Utah. They were the only Pac-12 team to beat Utah a year ago. And this season, they, they've been impressive. They've wrecked Boise State. They were up 24 nothing at home. It's just, it, it scares me. So I think stay away. But if you really want to just bet every game, of course, go to Bet Online. All odds are provided by Bet Online here at the Locked On Podcast Network, and consider the Cougs, but uh, maybe go with uh, with the favorites this week that we alluded to. Danny Cannell, CBS College Football Analyst, appreciate you coming back, and fingers crossed for another three and a week. I'm sitting at 500 on the year right now, so I got to start to, I got to, I got to get in the green. Hopefully, our our uniform agreement across the board is indicative of good things to come. Let's hope so, because I don't want to be the cooler. I don't want to come in here and we go one and two or something like that. So I'll be watching these picks closely and hopefully for an undefeated weekend. Yes, indeed. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.